Hey, I'm Maggie. And I'm Pam. And you're listening to the Planetarian Life Podcast. Each week, we meet here to share our passion for plant-forward cooking, our concerns about climate change and the earth, and discuss how together we can align our daily actions with our hopes for the future. Being a planetarian is fun, delicious, and soul-satisfying, and we're here to keep you inspired. And today, I would probably add to that list, informed. Um, because we've got Dr. Kristen Benston back on the podcast. Hooray. Most listened to podcast ever. Oh, yes. man. I love that. Our, That's awesome. It was our number one pod. It was the most, the most listens of any podcast we've done. Your be- we did a beans episode, probably what, six, eight months ago? Well, let's yes. see if grains are as exciting as beans. I think we can be yeah. equally <laughs> as exciting. <laughs> We, we, won't um, have any, we won't have any flatulence jokes, though, so I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm sure we'll come up with something. As... We'll come up with something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and I, we're excited to have you back on because I feel like there are some of these just foods with mystery surrounding them, mm-hmm. and beans is definitely one of them, and I think grains are too. And so we thought we'd have you come on today just to help us figure out which, which are the best grains to be eating, how much we should be eating, um, and why these are so important to our diets. Well, the reason, first of all, the reason that we're having Kristen on is because she is a doctor. She is an author. She is the mom of two beautiful boys. She's a speaker. She's a practitioner. She's a wonderful friend and colleague of ours, and she has a doctorate in chiropractic and is on staff at the Lehigh Valley Health Network, and she has a master's of science degree in nutrition. And of course, Maggie, we, um, we love food and we know a lot about food, but nutrition is not our game. And um, we're so pleased that we have somebody so well-informed on this subject. I know. And you are, you are uniquely qualified to talk about uh, nutrition in a way that we are absolutely not. We just know what tastes good. <laughs> uh, it, it's so funny when, when Kristen and I first got to know each other, we both sort of talked about, um, our food, what, what we saw, how we saw food in our lives. And I said, get this, cause Kristen, you'll remember what you said. I said to me, food was love, pleasure, connection, and Kristen said, so I said that food is information <laughs> that turns on and off genetic expression. <laughs> See why we have her on? Yes. I, I do still think all of those social, emotional connections that we have to food are important. And I don't think those need to be lost, but I think it's understanding yeah. that the purpose of food you know, from a physiological and biochemical perspective is to give our body nutrients and energy. And so if we want not just lifespan, but wellspan, we do have to focus on how to eat the right foods for our body. Yeah. I like that. That was a good one. Lifespan versus wellspan. Yeah. I'm after wellspan, you know? Yes. Yeah. You don't want to just live long. You want to feel great while you're living those years. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's exactly my goal. And um, recently certified also in functional medicine, and that's very much at the heart and center is understanding how we can 
really improve our quality of life and reduce risk of disease. So we know 80% of these lifestyle-related diseases, they really are preventable. So we're talking heart disease, diabetes, cancer, cardiometabolic diseases, autoimmune diseases. There's so much that we can do with food and we can really use food as medicine. So Pam, I do think that it's connection and emotion, all these wonderful, you know, things too, but um, and it's yes. not to say these foods can't be enjoyed. I, I certainly enjoy the food I eat, but I really do focus on why I'm eating what I'm eating. Yes. I, and, yeah. and I only said those things just to point out um, just the funny, just how funny I thought it was at the time. <laughs> I, I thought I thought it was funny too. And great, because I think too, it's it's combining those two things together. Exactly. I think that's exactly it what's really special. Yeah. You're exactly right. And that's definitely what planetarian life is about as well. You know, it's bringing together the food that we love and also the impact on the environment and the impact that what we eat has on our bodies as well. Um, Absolutely. So so let's talk grains. Um, And, you know, there are so many different types of grains. Um, I almost had to like look up a list to even kind of remember all the different types. I mean, there's there's a handful that I feel like everyone knows about and has as part of their regular sort of like American diet, brown rice, corn, oats, maybe quinoa, uh, maybe yeah, that's, barley. That's pretty out there. Yeah. Pasta. Uh, but well, yes, but, but that's not a whole grain. I'm talking whole grains. Yes. yes um, exactly. but then there's other ones like amaranth and bulgur and kamut and millet, rye, sorghum, spelt, teff, wheat berries. Barrel. Yeah. These are things that most people don't have as part of their their regular diet. Um, so, are the question is like, are all grains created equal? No, I mean they're they're certainly not. And I think so. It's sort of identifying. So there is the typical what we refer to as like true grains or cereal grains. So those are all actually grasses. And they're members of the Poaceae family. So this is going to be your corn, wheat, rice, oats, barley, rye, millet, sorghum, teff. And then pseudo-cereals. So these are not technically true grains, but we use them like grains and we characterize them as grains. So these would be the quinoa, amaranth, and buckwheat. And interestingly, huh. those pseudo-grains, they're all complete proteins, which we talked about a little huh. when we were talking about beans. So those are going to contain all nine of the essential amino acids as well. Huh. So, so we kind of categorize them either as true grains or pseudo cereals <clears throat> in that way. And when we talk about whole grain versus um, a refined grain, it's not necessarily the type of um, the type of grain. It's actually when we talk about a whole grain, it's going to contain. Um, the brand, so kind of the outer covering, the endosperm, and then the germ. So mm-hmm. there are those three components that are going to make up a whole grain. And we talk about the refined grain that's only going to have that endosperm in it, right? Mm-hmm. So, so we've refined it so that it's only going to have that endosperm. Now, the bran, that outermost layer, that's where we have the fiber and the B vitamins, the endosperm, that's where we have mostly carbohydrates, maybe a little protein. And then the germ, that's where the essential fats are, the vitamins like vitamin E, protein, minerals, phytochemicals, antioxidants. 
And in a kind of classic standard American diet form, we managed mm. to get rid of really most of the nutrients when we refine the grains. Mm. And that's really where the health impact comes into play is that we're eating excessive amounts of these refined grains. Mm -hmm. People don't really eat as many of the whole grains. So we have, you know, all three of those, um, those important nutrient dense components. And people will say, well, why, like, why, why do we, why do we do that? <laughs> like, why do we take away like the most important, you know, nutrient components of the grain? And this is like, for anything that I see, like, why do we, you know, add all these preservatives and numbers and chemicals and different things to foods? Well, it's to make them tasty. So we're sort of like used to a certain taste and mm -hmm. people have gotten accustomed to that refined taste, mm -hmm. then they're cheap and convenient. So when we get rid of the germ, then we get rid of those essential fats. So it's not going to go bad as quickly. Mm. So this is where, you know, you combine your, um, your trans fat and your super refined grain um, and some preservatives and a Ritz cracker. And it can sit there on the shelf for like mm. three to five years. <laughs> Whereas if you're getting like a, a whole grain bread, we got to freeze it, right? Because it's got none of those mm. preservatives and it's going to naturally go bad. So as a general rule, you want to eat foods that could potentially go bad pretty quickly because <laughs> otherwise it's going to be very refined. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. I mean, the other, the other thing too about whole grains though is that particularly with, with yeasted uh, breads, you don't get a rise out of whole grain. You need, you know, you need you, the most you can, from my experience, the most you can add when you even call it, you know, whole wheat bread is a mix of half uh, all-purpose flour or bread flour and half um, whole wheat flour. Um, it's hard. You can't make, you know, I mean, I guess you can, but it would be kind of dense and, um, as you say, not as pleasurable. So the other, you know, the other compounding component of this too, so we say, okay, are all grains created equal? Like different grains will also have unique nutrient profiles and each person as an individual may tolerate grains in a different way. Mm. So, you know, we have many people who have gluten sensitivity, whether it be celiac disease and autoimmune reaction to gluten, or, you know, many people just have um, a gluten sensitivity. They, they, they don't tolerate gluten well, even though it's not celiac disease, they still don't tolerate it well. Right. And gluten containing grains, they tend to be high in fermentable carbohydrates. So for people with digestive issues, those fermentable carbohydrates create a lot of digestive distress. Mm. And we also know that for some people, right, we always individualize the approach for every person. But for some people, these grains can increase intestinal permeability and can really lead to a whole host of symptoms ranging from fatigue and brain fog to joint pain, digestive issues, and autoimmune disease. So for every person, we sort of have to um, work to individualize the approach and recognize grains aren't right for every person. But if we're generalizing it, you know, these whole grains, they really can be a nutrient-dense addition to someone's food approach. So, you know, I think it's... Um, it, it can be a great addition, and, and, and a lot of people really enjoy eating these grains. The other issue is, like we were talking about, to so say we're getting, you know, like a, a, a white bread. So you go to pick up a white bread, and, and most of the time, so now what we've done is all we're left with is the endosperm. We don't really have that, you know, the nutrient-dense components to that. Mm -hmm. It becomes higher on the glycemic index, which is harder on your body cardiometabolically speaking. 
And, um, and what we tend to do, it seems, manufacturers will add in all the added sugar, the numbers, polysorbate number 80, and then the chemicals, like, like you're saying, the azodicarbonamide, right? Which it's basically the chemical used to make yoga mats fluffy. So now you're going to start to read your breads and realize, like, not only is there a refined grain, well, now I'm also eating azodicarbonamide, like the yoga mat stuff, you know? So that's sort of a... Um, a compounding factor that we see with a lot of these refined grains is that we're also adding in the sugar, the numbers, and the chemicals, which kind of adds to the problem from a health perspective, if that makes sense. Hmm. How, how, do you, how do you incorporate whole grains in personally in your family and what you serve? How, what do you, av- I mean, it sounds to me like you avoid yeah. a lot of white bread, you know, pizza, you know, what, how do you how do you live? How do you operate? So we we do avoid the refined grains to the best of our ability. So I always tell people like don't eat the parentheses, right? So if you're reading like a um, like a bread, for example, and you see um, you know enriched wheat flour, or, you know wheat or white flour, and then you see parentheses and it like <laughs> lists a whole bunch of. Um, you know, nutrients. It's like, well, this shows like, this is super refined. Like they took all the nutrients out. Now they're trying to add some back in again. You know, so if you see the parentheses, that's sort of an indicator, but anytime you're seeing that kind of enriched, you know, and it's white, then you know that that's been very highly refined. So for example, you know, like making a choice of a a brown rice, um, you know, instead of a white rice. So again, this way we're getting the greater nutrient value. It's going to be lower on the glycemic index. Um, using grains like quinoa or, um, or organic corn, um, amaranth, all of these will have a higher nutrient profile than those more refined um, processed carbohydrates. That's really where you get into the biggest issue is when you have these highly processed carbs that we're eating in our, you know, cookies, cakes, you know, chip bags, breads. That's, that's really where the issues from a health perspective are coming from. Yeah. And I would say too, I encourage people to look for sprouted grains whenever possible. Mm. So this will add, you know, kind of another layer of, um, you know, nutrient profile. So germinating um, the seed will actually help to break down the starch in the grain. And that increases the relative amount of vitamins and nutrients, the the folate, the fiber, vitamin C, you know, magnesium, B levels. So those are going to all be higher in those sprouted grains um, than they are in the traditional grains as well. So looking for, you know, like a sprouted grain bread, I love and recommend usually like the Foods for Life has sprouted grains. Mm-hmm. Ezekiel bread too. Ezekiel oh, bread. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What, what, Absolutely. What do we think of Dave's bread? Um, I think I like the idea of the sprouted grains. If I remember correctly, that one has the added sugar. So I usually mm-hmm. tell people, do their best to stay away from the added sugar. That's where, like you're saying, the Ezekiel right, bread could is. be a better, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 that could be a better alternative. If you're serving your family pasta or pizza, how do you, yeah. what, do you do, what do you do there? Yeah. So we use, like for pasta, I use mostly a brown rice pasta. Tinkiata is the brand that we really like a lot, but we'll use quinoa-based pastas. Mm. Um, there's now even like chickpea-based pasta. And mm-hmm. we've, um, we've started to use that more now, even in our in our pizzas. So we'll use like um, the chickpea-based, um, you know, pizza crusts. And my kids really, they love it. Huh. Um, and um, we use a lot of gluten-free 
you know, type of breads and grains mm-hmm. like as well. And, and that comes back to a sensitivity like in the family to gluten. So, and it's not everyone in the family that's sensitive to gluten. So that, that, that is very individualized. Yeah. And I wouldn't say like, you'll hear some more functional practitioners saying, oh, no one should eat gluten across the board. And I don't necessarily find that to be true. I think if you tolerate it well, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But just being sensitive to the fact that if you've got certain symptoms, you know, it it might be a good exercise to eliminate gluten for 30 days or for some people, all grains for 30 days and see how you feel. And some people feel really a whole lot better. Mm. So it just depends on your particular Mm individual biochemistry. Food is information. So whatever your genetic expression is, right, yeah. that um, that food is turning on and off that genetic expression. So it seems like the the thing to do is to like take the list of whole grains, like unprocessed grains, and then kind of do a Venn diagram of like what tastes good to you and what feels good to your body to eat. And then yeah, whatever is in the idea. middle is like your your specialized grain nutrition plan. Um, But grains are such an important part of a plant-forward or plant-rich diet because, you know, I I have grains all the time. And we do eat, you know, a a good bit of white rice, but we eat an enormous amount of quinoa uh, as well. Um, And I just feel like there's so much available to me here that I really don't that I really don't use. And I mm-hmm. feel like I need to explore more. And, 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 you know, actually there's actually a third, there's actually a third circle in that Venn diagram, which is like what my kids will eat. Um, so that may make it circle, even a smaller, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but, um, but just, I think, I think one thing to encourage people is just to explore more grains. Like I Absolutely. definitely have a, like I do use wild rice sometimes, but my kids do like white rice, but I'm like, could I get them to eat brown rice or could I get them to eat? They, they do eat quinoa when it's like hidden in some dishes, but they're not like just eating spoonfuls of quinoa um, or barley. Like I just think to make a play for, to, or to make a suggestion that people just try to branch out a little bit um, and try more. I was going to ask your opinion about um, the category called light brown rice and instant brown rice. Um, mm. uh, because, you know, the light brown, I think they've, 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 they've not sanded off, but ground off some of the brand so that it, mm-hmm. de- but the, the amazing thing about it is that it decreases the cooking time. Cause one of the problems mm-hmm. with brown rice is it, that is. it takes 45 takes minutes to cook. I know. And, um, this light brown rice cooks in the same time as white rice takes to cook. And then of course, the instant rice, the thing I like about mm-hmm. that, that I don't like instant white rice, but, but, you know, when you get one of these wild, uh, these wild rice or brown rice blends where it's got, you know, nice variety of rices in it, I think they, they use the, the instant brown rice in that so that it cooks at the same time as the yeah. other rices. So anyway, I thought you might have some thoughts about that. Yeah. I mean, so I, you know, those are just pre-cooked and dehydrated. Yeah. So they don't lose um, much of their nutritional value. That's cool. So I think those are, yeah. yeah so I think those are okay. Yep. They're slightly higher in the glycemic index, but I think that if that's going to help you to yeah. choose the brown rice exactly. over white rice, that would be, yeah, that would be a better, that would definitely be a better strategy. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I think that's fine. One of the things I discovered when I was working on uh, the second version of How to Cook Without a Book is that, and I don't think a lot of people know this, you do have to plan a little bit ahead, 
But if you get in a routine of doing this, if you soak, just like you soak dried yeah. beans, if you soak yeah. the grains, it dramatically reduces the cooking time. Um, you know, brown rice, barley, farro, all of those, if you soak them overnight, they cook in 10 minutes. And the beauty of that, yeah. So the beauty of that is like, not only are we combining something that makes things easier in the kitchen, but also when you soak grains, um, it activates phytase, which is an enzyme that breaks down phytic acid, which is known to be an anti-nutrient. Um, and so it's going to bind to minerals. So when you soak, it actually makes those minerals more bioavailable, so easier for your body to absorb mm, the nutrients. Mm. Um, and also when you like soak or sprout or ferment grains, it makes them often easier to digest. Huh. The proteins are easier di to digest and it can even reduce some of the the gluten content. So yeah, I mean, I think soaking grains is a good idea and that is very easy to do, you know? So yeah, just some warm water overnight. Yep. Just have to think a little bit ahead. And I mean, I just at least once or twice a week have something soaking on my counter so that, because it's, as we all know, if you've got cooked anything in the fridge, it's, yeah. it, it's much easier to eat it. I mean, if you have to it's think, oh my easier. gosh, I have to cook I have to spend 45 minutes making this thing before I even can serve it versus it, it's the win-win. As, as a, a, a real life example of that, on Monday, I soaked and cooked uh, black beans, a pound of black beans, and I had no purpose for them, no use for them. I didn't know what I was going to do with them. And then today we came back from my son's uh, holiday concert at school. We were all starving for lunch. and you know, within 20 minutes we had, you know, rice and beans and cilantro and scallions and, uh, salsa and oh, cilantro. It. it was just a delicious, quick, um, meal that we were able to assemble so quickly because we had, uh, because we cooked quick white rice. Um, and after the, recording this episode, I'm like, <laughs> Ooh, I need to like up my, <laughs> up my, uh, my carb game here. But all this to say to mom's point, when you have things cooked, beans, grains, especially when you're trying to eat plant rich, it just makes it so much easier to get that meal on the table quickly. Mm -hmm. um, it does. And you're, so, so that you're not reaching for that convenience food, mm -hmm. uh, instead of actually eating like a nutrient rich, very satisfying, very delicious lunch or dinner. Yeah. Eat real food, feel real good. Right. Mm. <laughs> so the more you can eat that real food. Yes. You know, and I, I liked what you said earlier. And I think even coming back to that, you know, that the variety, your body thrives on variety, right? So, you know, you're more bacterial than you are human cells, right? So we're more bacteria, hmm. bacterial DNA than we are human DNA. And your microbiome is like a fingerprint, like it's very unique to you. And our microbiomes, which are very much, we're finding more and more like a keystone in terms of our overall health very much flourish when in, in a healthy way when we provide the body with a lot of variety, right? So this is where food mm. rotation is really important. And so I love what you said. Like, I think for people to say, okay, you know, corn, wheat, rice, oats, barley, millet, sorghum, amaranth, quinoa, buckwheat, like make a list and then just start trying them out and saying, okay, which of these do I enjoy eating? you know, and, um, and exploring alternatives to the things that you tend to eat all the time, because from a 
um, you know, from a, a physiological biochemical perspective, like that really will serve your body and your gut microbiome well. So I, I really do love that idea. Mm. Yeah. And also just, you know, sort of like the, an equivalent concept of like going to the farmer's market and kind of eating what's in season and then being kind of forced to cook with, not forced, but mm-hmm. yeah. inspired to cook with mm-hmm. what, what's available to you. Whereas like, so like if you go out to the grocery store or your refill shop or wherever you get your grains and pick something up that you've mm-hmm. never cooked with yeah. before, or you haven't cooked with it a long time, you're going to find new, new, uh, recipes you like, or new tastes and flavors that you like. And I think the extent to which, you know, obviously from the gut and microbiome perspective, it's good to kind of rotate food, but also just from a food enjoyment perspective, just having not being more bored. food. Yeah. Yes, yes exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It keeps healthy eating kind of exciting and interesting too. Yes, absolutely. Um, so as we, as we kind of move into the new year, you know, everyone will be thinking about, I mean, literally everyone will be thinking about like, Oh, you know, how can I eat better? You know, the last you know, a few weeks or months have been pretty heavy. Um, and, and so like, what are, what are some ways that we can get into a better cooking routine now or now or now and always really? I think just going back to what we were just saying, you know, focusing on that variety, trying new things. I always encourage my patients, like take a color challenge. So, you know, right after the holidays is such a perfect time to try this. And so you're going to just like pick like different unique foods of color and see like, can you get 50 unique foods of color like in the next week? And you can challenge your family on this and say, okay, who can get 50 unique foods of color and fluorescent colors don't count. Okay. So I'm talking about (laughs) natural, naturally colored like fruits and vegetables, Mm -hmm. even different colors of grains. Mm. You know, you could try Mm -hmm. a black or a red rice or, you know, wild rice for something different. Um, I, I think that can be a really easy and impactful way for people to start is just in terms of thinking about more variety, but especially that nutrient dense variety and, and keeping those foods in the kitchen um, in the fridge and freezer, I think that can be um, that could be really helpful. Just focus on keeping it simple, but in- incorporating more and more of that variety as you're able. With the capsule kitchen formulas and techniques, and it, it, because you have the the confidence with those techniques and formulas, you can. It's much easier to incorporate those those new things into your diet. Absolutely. Um, and then this is something that we've talked about on the podcast before, but I, and I don't need to do this just because it's the way I think, but if you're, if you're really trying to make a concerted effort to eat more beans and grains or to, you know, to eat healthier, um, I, most nights will think, is there something that I can do tonight that's going to help me tomorrow and the rest of the week? So some people, I saw somewhere, you know, somebody puts a post-it note on their cabinet and it just stays there. And it's like when they're kind of closing up the kitchen at night, it's like, oh, I could soak a pound of beans or I could soak some grains or I could, you know, just that. what is that one thing that you can do mm-hmm. to help yourself for tomorrow? I think that if you do that even once or twice a week, you're, you're, you're setting yourself up for, for success. I love that. Yes. Yeah. So before we go, what are, what are your favorite ways to enjoy grains and what are your favorite grains? Mm. 
So we love overnight oats and Pam, we love your recipe for overnight <laughs> oats. My youngest son has perfected, I feel like mm. your overnight oat, you know, um, mm -hmm. uh, recipe and, and we add, we can add all kinds of variety to that, you know, so um, oats with, you know, whether it be ground or milled flax seeds and chia seeds and hemp hearts and different kinds of fruits or different kinds of plant-based milk. So, I mean, we love that for breakfast. We do a lot of grain bowls. Um, mm -hmm. Those are so simple, so easy. And again, like the kids can really kind of help put those together. Mm -hmm. And um, we do a lot of like popcorn. So that's like a fun and easy snack. We, you know, we do it ourselves over the stove or we have a, um, an air popper. And a lot of people don't know you can pop amaranth the same way that you pop corn. Ooh. So, which is uh, like a more nutrient dense option huh. to popcorn. It's, it's just as easy. Um, and, uh, and that makes for another just quick and healthy snack. So those are some of our favorites. Definitely going to try popping amaranth. That sounds delicious. Uh, I used to make um, an amaranth porridge. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Mm hmm. And you can do even like you know um, in the in the morning quinoa. Yes. Like, you know people don't often think yep. about. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah. Quinoa can be for breakfast and um mm -hmm. in a similar way you eat like a porridge yep. or yeah. 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 We we have a um a on the site, uh, it's a formula for a quinoa skillet supper. Uh, and I love that. It's just so easy. I always have quinoa in the fridge and I use it a lot, as you said, uh, Dr. Kristen to, uh, to make bean and grain bowls or green and grain bowls for lunch. That's one of my favorite use ways to mm -hmm. use grain. Um, but also to make these quick skillet, uh, skillet suppers, uh, that you can kind of just use mm -hmm. what you have use what's in season, use what needs using up uh, to make a very satisfying, flavorful dinner. Quinoa is truly amazing, isn't it? Because not only is it like the complete protein, you, it's great to mix with means, but you don't even have to. And, you know, once it comes to the simmer, it's done in 10 minutes. So it's, mm -hmm. it's like, it, it is like the best, I think, of all the grains. I'd have to say it's one of my favorite. And it's gluten-free, and most people tolerate that one really yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. And you're yeah. right. It's good for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. How crazy that you – okay, I understand being able to take the bran off of the endosperm, but then how the hell do you take the, germ, the germ out of the center? <laughs> yes, it's like – I feel like you have to work extra, extra hard to get – they're like – you feel like they're going in with like a little needles or tweezers to just let's I mean, just pull out that nutrients. <laughs> like let's just get let's get the essential fats out of there. Like don't leave those yes, essential fats. Yes. In. I'm always amazed at what they can do to just mess up our yeah. food. <laughs> I know. So true. I mean, it's like you think they're trying. How do they do it? Like how I'm truly curious. Like I get like spinning this through something and getting the, the outer shell off, but like, how do you go inside the middle of a hard grain and pull out the healthy part? Anyway, I just, that is some kind of science that I don't understand. It, it never ceases to amaze me how they can really, um, yeah. you know, mess the food up in a way that it really hurts us. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's, it, it is frustrating. And then people don't, they don't understand it and they don't connect food to their health, you know, uh, quite often. No. And um, so many people don't, so many people don't. 
And I think they're taught not to, like, I'm amazed, like, you know, patients will say, oh, I came back from my doctor. Like, I don't have, um, I don't have celiac disease. So they told me I could eat, eat gluten and I'm, and they have this rash all over their body. And I'm like, well, let's try to stop eating it, you know, because I, I really think this is what's causing the rat and they stop and it goes away. Mm. <laughs> and they're like, but they yeah. told me it was fine, you know, and they're still even fighting against it, even when the rash goes away. Like, so it's just interesting, this perspective. And I do think that it is perpetuated in part, like with the conventional model, like it just doesn't nutritional science and a lot of medical, you know, type science, they just, they haven't converged enough yet. And um, the science is all there. It just hasn't found its way into clinical practice the way it needs to yet. Mm. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you have a moment, we'd be so grateful if you'd rate the podcast and leave a review. Also take a minute to connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Planetarian Life. Head to planetarianlife.com for more recipes, inspirations, and to become a planetarian. See you next week. Bye.